Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Script Shop. Yes, you heard Allison say it. You heard us doing the intro, and uh, here we are. Uh, I am with, here with Allison, and this is Jack. I'm giving snaps to Script Shop. Allison's snapping her way through the start of the what show. What happens if we snap on the... Oh, as far as the wave file? Yeah. I don't, I don't think snapping is that bad. Clapping is where it really messes everything I always, up. I know that you hate when we clap on the show. Mm-hmm. So. Unless, you, unless it's like very nice and off mic. Like a golf clap? That's Yeah, that, that helps, because otherwise it just spikes and i got to deal with it. And, but snaps might be okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Today... Allison's doing the interpretive dance to welcome like the show. Weird little castanets. And kick. And what a Hi everybody. script shop. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts and why the story that they're telling matters to them and, 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 and where they were in their life that led up to this point and what they want to do with this work that they've created. Yes. Everything. Laying it on the table. We yeah. take somebody's heart and we watch it beating in their hands as they offer it to you, listener. Mm-hmm. And we... Are the medium between the artist? Oh boy, this snapping's a thing apparently. <laughs> and the story, and we're here to share with you on Script Shop. So if you'd like your story to be shared with the claps, with the small claps or great snaps. When you say small claps, do you mean snaps? I did, but then I tried to recover. <laughs> okay. So that's why I said small claps because we just did golf claps. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> small claps or snaps. Send your script in to scriptshopshow.com. That Dr. Pepper is really kicking in now. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> needs to shake the sillies out. Uh, we are on the internet because you're listening to us on the internet, but we're also on various social media as far as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, find us, connect with us, follow us. Uh, we'll... Uh, talk to you about things and yeah, let you know about, about these stories. when there's new shows coming out. We do videos. We do little promo bits before each show every week, yeah. and uh, we'd love for you to follow us. And uh, you can always connect to our artists through those things as yes. well. Yeah, yeah we try we've got to, lots of linked up info for them. Yeah, we try to find them and tag them and let you know who they are, and then you can connect with them yourself as well. Because it's a small world after all, folks. Let's make it a little smaller in appropriate ways. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, we, our guest on the show this week is Joe Malisi, who wrote a script called The Club for Dying People. Yes, no surprise. That title leads us to a 34-page bucket list support story. Yes. That's what I got on it. Succinct, to the point, the club for dying people. You know, we haven't done it in a little bit, and this I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but in terms of uh, we haven't done a what have you watched, what have you read recently, Ooh, and yes. I know that you're very busy getting ready for... Yes, Independent Film Festival, which has happened. Yeah, we're, we're recording it before we've actually had the festival. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, w- reading this script, and it's about people who are suffering from uh, terminal conditions, and they're finding support amongst each other and checking things off their bucket list. I just watched The Big Sick recently. Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, which is an Amazon movie. movie. It's great. Yes. I really enjoyed it. I like that one a lot, too. That's a true story. Yeah, that's how he comedian. met his wife, right? I know. Yeah, that's what happened to them. And there's a really good Cincinnati reference in there, too, which I'm always happy about. What, is, what do they say? They make, I, I think the, her dad, Ray Romano, makes a reference to having done something when he was in Cincinnati. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Cool, we got a Cincinnati, Cincinnati reference. Always good. I do like the way people refer to Cincinnati because it's like everybody understands it's the secret place and only the special people live there. 
Like we're a city full of special huh. flying pigs. Th- but it's like the butt of a joke, but also the secret mystery and well, all the references. Well, because it's it's a word that structurally and on an auditory level, it's a funny word. It's very pleasing. Same thing with Cleveland. Same thing with like the word Buick. There's yeah. certain words that just Buick sound certain nice. ways that are good document. as punchlines. I like the word document a lot. You like document? I do. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Cleveland's that great of a word. Cincinnati is much better. So I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um... In terms of what I've, what have we been watching yeah, lately? Yeah, did you see anything recently? Well, it's funny because... <laughs> Sorry, my headphone just clobbered into I the mic. I thought my well just like blew your ear out or something. <laughs> I turned my head in well. a stupid way. Um, this is a very um, relevant show to today's story, but I've been watching Community, which oh. you've, been, you've been referring to for ages. Thank you. And I've been doing tons of festival prep, and so sometimes I just need a little bit of background noise, but the, the, the tricky thing about background noise is that then you get a good show, yeah. and you stop doing what you're doing and actually start watching the show, and that's the way Community has been, which is, of course, about a band of misfits mm-hmm. who find themselves together at a community college, and today's story is about a band of misfits who have something in common, and although it's not Spanish class, it's their terminal diseases, they all start to interact and kind of like find new life within that. Yeah, you're still in season one of Community. Mm-hmm. All right, enjoy yeah. it. Just enjoy it. It's it. It was the the little show that could that was kept alive for much longer than it should have been, much longer than any of us deserved. It's wonderful. I love it. Uh, enjoy Community. I like that Al- uh, Allison Brie is playing an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. That's hysterical to mm-hmm. me. She's doing a good job of it, but yeah. like we all know, Allison Brie is an incredible actor. Yes, and an older lady. So watching her play someone who's 18 is very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, we should probably get Joe on the line because he's been patiently waiting while we're talking about having watched things Joe Malisi, on, on television. Coming on the show to talk about a downer screenplay. <laughs> it's not necessarily a downer. <laughs> Joe, hi, are you there? It's not. It really isn't. Yes, I'm here, and I just want to say I was giving some snaps at that intro before. Thank uh, you, you know, Joe Malisi. Don't, don't encourage her on snaps this. Snaps for Joe. <laughs> 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 Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sorry that I called your screenplay a downer because it's really not. It, it doesn't is end on inspirational. a downer. Yeah. Thank. Well, I, I think the the thing that I like about writing this type of script is that you can get those highs and lows. You can get parts where it's definitely downer, and get those parts where um, you kind of see uh, you know the rainbow in the in the rainstorm. You know what I mean? You, you kind of see things um, that the main character is going through um, that make you feel sorry and also make you think you know that she's having a you know a little bit of hope yeah yeah sure it's not a straight drama it's not a straight comedy it's got a sort of a very much sort of real life interacting with people trying to find good in a maybe dour situation otherwise uh, sort of feel to it right and i think that's that also is kind of how i've incorporated humor into a lot of uh things in my life even even you know outside of of writing um it was always those those moments when kind of the dust is settled and it's kind of a little mellow when you kind of bust out a, um, you know, a joke to make people laugh. Um, and those were always the best because whether or not everyone was, um, was upset or tired or, or, you know, just not in the mood, you, you kind of change, uh, the pacing and, uh, kind of get those moments that you really like to see. So Joe, where, where are we uh, speaking to you from? Where are you at? So I'm, I'm located in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you go to school? Do you work? What is it? Uh, what is it? What's your day like? Do you panhandle? Yeah, so do I'm, you? <laughs> I'm about to start my third year at university, um, so I'm heading there in a couple weeks, and then um, you know, hopefully, I'll get to to write some more stuff and and work on some more projects there. Um, and, what school do you go to? 
Kutztown in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Are you going there for some sort of filmmaking course of study? Yeah, so I'm also, I'm actually doing um, a film minor with a major in marketing, um, and I I kind of like that combination because not a lot of people, um, or at least you know, kind of people that I met and and worked with, um, you know, they have this project and they have this film, but they don't really know how to get it out there, get it to the right people. And with marketing, I kind of feel like you can find ways and and theories and and um, I guess practices to get not only things that you would imagine in business world, but in the film world too, to kind of get it to the people that you want it to. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And yeah. I don't think we've had anybody on the show who's especially been a student that's like, you know what, film minor, major in marketing, yeah. I'm going to make sure my stuff makes it to the top. Right. I mean, I, I definitely love um, working in film and trying to do as much as possible, um, you know, including classes and things like that. But I, I figured... With the people that I know and the friends that I have, um, the best way to kind of get into the industry is just by by working. You know, I, I, a really, really good friend of mine had told me that the best way to to get better is to watch movies and make movies. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I actually had a question because, you know, making movies would put you a lot in the production side. But with your major mm-hmm. in marketing, do you think that's setting you up to be a producer, actually? Um, I... I don't know. So I, I produced a movie or I guess a short film um, this past summer that was fortunate enough to make it into the Hoboken International Film Festival. Um, and it was a, a completely different role that I had, um, you know, as opposed to directing or camera or anything like that. But it was still kind of that rush that you get when you when you get together with friends and, and actors and make this um, this script that you'd only really previously seen in your head. Um, but as the producer, I got to do things like casting with the director and, and, you know, working on, um, making sure all the actors had accommodations and all these things that I hadn't really thought about in the, in the industry that, that really opened my eyes to make it think that, oh, this isn't just a thing that I'm doing with my friends. This is a real business. This is a real production. So it was, it was a really, really cool experience. Did you enjoy being more on the, in the, on the, being a producer side of things and having to maybe oversee things big picture more instead of getting into the nuts and bolts of daily with shooting and lighting and, and that sort of thing? In some aspects, yes. It was definitely fun to see, or I guess fun because I'm, I'm friends with him, but to see the director more stressed than I was on set. <laughs> yeah. um, when you're, you know, when you're directing uh, a film, or you know any sort of project there's always that kind of underlying oh what if what if everything in this goes wrong or you know uh what if on the day before all the everybody on my crew says oh can't make it so to in kind of a morbid way it was it was fun to kind of sit back and kind of do a different uh a different role um but i don't know i i think i'll have to see how it you know things pan out and take more producing roles and and direct more things and see what i what i um lean towards more right yes because you if you're moving into your third year you've just got about two more years worth of school what do you want to do after school do you know do you want to move to new york city are you planning on staying in jersey do you want to move to la or you know what are your thoughts on this so far well well fortunately from where i am in new jersey i'm i'm a pretty short commute to new york city so i think i definitely want to start there you know hopefully use what i what i have in terms of connections at university and alumni to get somewhere just to start and 
you know, kind of start working on stuff, kind of making as many projects as I can, you know, within that time. And hopefully, you know, everything goes well, I'll be able to kind of stay in this area and, and, you know, stay in touch with friends and family and connections, but also kind of do what I want in terms of the, the productions and, and stuff like that. Sounds like a great start. What was it that got you into specifically wanting to write or at least writing, uh, this script? I'm not sure how many scripts you've written. So I, I really started doing script writing, I would say, junior year of high school. Um, up until about my second year of high school, I was pretty adamant about being an architect. Hmm. Um, I was kind of doing – I was good with computers. Um, I was using the programs. I was in the class. I'm not the biggest fan of math, but I figured I could kind of get over it and, and you know start to enjoy it. And a friend of mine told me that I should sign up for TV production because his brother had taken it and he, you know, loved the major or the the program and was majoring in it in college. So I signed up um, through sophomore year and I just absolutely loved it. I, you know, I got to fortunately have a really, really great teacher who was more hands on and just letting us work with the equipment. And and our final project for that year was writing a, um, a news package. And although it's kind of different than the story or the format of a, of a script, um, I still had so much fun kind of writing out how I wanted the story to play out. So junior year, um, I started writing as many scripts as possible and just shooting them with my friends, you know, with a camera I got for my birthday. And I would shoot, shoot, shoot maybe one or two videos a month um, of just skits or things that I thought were funny and, and things that I thought were dramatic. Um and kind of slowly started to enjoy the writing process as its own entity, as opposed to just a step in the filmmaking process. Yeah, I'm always interested when we talk to people, especially uh, people who are a little bit younger and maybe still in school, uh, the idea of writing and expressing yourself creatively. And I'm always interested in knowing what is it about specifically writing scripts and screenplays that really does it for them, as opposed to writing, you know, a, a novel or poetry or, or whatever else. And it sounds like you sort of came to it from the other end, where you said, "I'm going to sign up for this production thing," and "Oh, cool, we can. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to learn how to start writing." Right, because when you know when I when you're 15, 16, you think of movies as just like an idea. They kind of tell the act what's going on. Okay, shoot, edit, you know, send it. But the whole art in and of itself of kind of figuring out what you want from each moment, I guess, you know, from figuring out how you want the tone to be set in the first four or five minutes to kind of letting that pan out or figuring out the character's arcs or making it a story that you can not only get immersed in, but tell other people and let them get immersed in. Um, it's just a whole, a whole, you know, different playing field than what I was used to and learning from that and kind of developing in that, um, in that aspect kind of made me want to do it as much as possible and, and, you know, write something like this that I was really, really, um, proud of and took my time with. So where did this story come from then? Well, the the initial kind of feeling was I had just moved in to uh, my dorm freshman year of college. Um, I didn't know anybody. I was going to a different state school, um, and my, my roommate wasn't really around all the time. He would go home. Um, so I kind of had this sense of, oh, you know, I'm alone. I don't really know anybody. What do I do? You know, I'm not panicking, but kind of that sense of, oh, man, this is not going to bode well for me. Um, but instead of kind of sitting down and waving the white flag, I decided to 
try and make the best of it by signing up for clubs and stuff like that and and eventually found a group of people that did have similar interests and hobbies and situations as me and we kind of got along and and started making cool stuff together so that's where i kind of got the idea of someone who's down on their luck um obviously in this script it's it's more serious than than what i was going through but down on their luck and kind of not wanting to give up just yet and just kind of trying to find other people who are like them and want to don't want to be alone. Okay. Yeah. So in this script, Club for Dying People, folks, in case you A, haven't read it, which you should, and you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com. And, but you, as you may be able to piece together from the, just the title alone, uh, this is the story about, uh, there's, it's a girl named Alex uh, who's uh, in school, I believe high school, and uh, finds out that she's been diagnosed with a some sort of terminal condition, and she wants to do something to find a community with people who are going through the same thing. And she starts what's essentially a support group for a variety of other people that are sort of in the same situation as her, not necessarily the same disease. Right. The script- it's never specifically yeah. spelled out who may be suffering from what. Right. And so she and finds community by sharing things in common, and uh, things progress from there. Yeah, and I, I specifically didn't want to give any um, specific, you know, diseases or illnesses or anything that was going on between the characters because I not I one not only didn't I wanted to make it kind of as universal as possible so that everybody, uh, you know, if someone is unfortunately going through something that they could resonate with what's going on, but B I didn't want to offend anybody by you know having wrong symptoms or or anything like that. Although I have you know I have lost people to illnesses and things like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not a professional. I don't want to make it seem as though my writing is, is correct all the time. So I didn't want to, you know, do anything that would, um, in turn offend people in terms of false things like that. Right. Uh, how long did this screenplay take you to write? Uh, from start to finish, I would say maybe four months, five months, Mm -hmm. just from kind of getting the initial draft of it, the initial kind of full script and then sending it out and looking over and kind of sending it to people that I that I trust and hearing what they think about it because it, the the script isn't initially it's not for me it's it's to be made into a film that I'm not only going to watch it's for other people to watch so kind of hearing what other people think about it and 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 the story and the characters um I take that and kind of turn it into a second and a third and a fourth draft until I'm uh I'm I'm more or less happy with it and um then I kind of start to think of it from a production aspect when you say you started sending this out, was who who else reads your work, or was this something that you were able to workshop in class, perhaps? Well, so real, um, I don't I don't necessarily workshop it in class. I mean, I'll ask questions here or there, like you know, what kind of um, you know, how can I do this with a character? How can I do that with a with with a mood or a tone? But there are there are people that I have worked with, like a friend of mine, Zach Carlasio. Um, he and I have worked closely together for two or three years. Um, and have known each other for even longer, but we both, um, you know, have scripts and we like to send them to each other and, and, you know, of course other people, friends and, and family and stuff and kind of see what they think about it and see how they feel about, um, you know, certain aspects of it and hopefully get some constructive criticism to try and make it as best as possible. Did any of the uh, people that you sent this out to and went over it with and the constructive criticism you got, did that sort of help shape uh, the story in any way as far as getting into the specifics of the diseases or specifically avoiding getting into the specifics of the disease? Yeah. So I, I, like I had said, I sent it to, to Zach and he had said, um, you know, when you're talking about, there's a, there's a conversation early on between, um, Alex and her and her brother 
um, Luke, and they're kind of talking about how she's she's just worn out and exhausted from from kind of the 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 mental stress and things that are going on, and he's kind of he's upset that he thinks that she's giving up essentially. Um, and there are parts in there where they where they talk about um, you know percentages of of treatment and stuff like that. And Zach had said to me, you know, if you're trying to lean towards a specific um, feel or a specific subject or, you know, illness, you want to be specific, but you don't want to be like pinpointing. Like you don't want to be blatantly wrong, but you don't want to say that it's this or it's that. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of um, that's kind of where I got the idea to kind of keep it a little bit anonymous. What was uh, I'm I'm curious about what your motivation was to I guess sort of center it around disease mm-hmm. even in the, in the first place if, terminal if, disease if specifically it's, yeah and if it's because ba- if it's based on this idea of maybe you in college being concerned about being alone and wanting to go out and make friends and find a group going the leap to having it centered around a, a teenage girl who's been given this terminal diagnosis I'm curious about what it why why that was what you ended up locking in on. Yeah. So I would say what's uh, three or four years back, um, I was, unfortunately I was a, I, I lost two relatives in the same year, uh, to different illnesses. And that kind of stuck with me in a way that I being young, I didn't really know how to process a whole lot of it. And, and I still, you know, I'm, I, I still consider myself fairly young, but just, it, it was, it was an odd thing to kind of to realize that, you know, I, they, they weren't around. So to kind of take how I was feeling then, and I guess the resurfacing of how I was feeling, you know, like I said, um, freshman year and kind of taking what I felt then, I guess it resurfaced of me being alone. And I guess I felt alone back then. Yeah. Those two ideas kind of clashed together and, um, made me want to, write a story that helped hopefully some people or, or, you know, will help or anything like that feel like no matter what's going on, you're not necessarily alone. Right. Yeah. And what was it about it that made you want to build this story around the bucket list aspect of this and the, you know, the inspirational part of it as well? Because basically what happens is this community comes together and they all start inspiring each other to do things that they've always wanted to do, whether it's, you know, crush some slushies mm-hmm. or go to the beach or travel S- superhero party yeah that was i love that of course that was I really did. cute yeah. mm-hmm. oh i think the number one thing that a lot of people who you know are, are kind of um i think i just think a, a big thing that people regret is not doing everything that they wanted to do you know no matter what's going on whether you're 100 or 25 i think that there's always something that you want to do that you haven't been able to do you know i'm 20 now. And there are things that I wish I had done when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 with my friend, you know, Mm. being able to go and, you know, go to Six Flags that one day or, you know, go see my friend, you know, talent show or things like that. So I I think revolving it around people who in this case don't have much time um, being able to do what they want to do and not, you know, unfortunately, not having the time to do it, it kind of helps you feel like there's a little bit less to regret. Like, um, there's an older character or an older couple, um, I guess young adult couple in in the script that they seem pretty content. You know, they kind of not content, but they're understanding what they have and they're, they're with each other. Um, 
but later on in the story it just seems as though the the, the husband or the boyfriend has things that he regrets not doing with with um with his significant other so there's a whole lot of um i guess the tone of the story being do what you want to do before you can't do it i got you yeah and we're gonna go ahead and read a piece of this screenplay um to just kind of set up for our listeners the world that we're playing in here so uh listeners if you're tuning in you get a special treat today because Joe has such a great microphone and sounds just beautiful. Yeah, it's not your ears playing tricks, folks. Joe's got a fantastic microphone, and any if future guests should take note. This sounds really, really good for the show. <laughs> um, you want, I want to make sure I'm, I'm there in spirit. <laughs> you are. It sounds so good. We're going to be uh, reading from the bottom of page four. It starts with interior classroom morning, um, basically to the top of page seven. Joe's going to be reading all of our action headings Frank, who is here, whoop, whoop. Frank, hey. hey. I just had the snap out of it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I hope he's been spending the last 20 minutes sitting here thinking of the best thing to say. Of course he has. Have you? Yeah. It yeah, works. Of course. It works. Of course. You're a thoughtful guy. Um, Frank's going to be reading for Principal Lee. Takes me 25 Lee. minutes per joke. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, just, I just say stupid stuff off the, off the cuff all the time, <laughs> so you're nailing it. Yeah, thank you. Jack's going to be reading for Father Patrick, and then I will be playing the main character, Alex. So what's happened up to this point? Alex, who is a uh, teenage girl in high school, has been given this diagnosis by her doctor, and she's sort of struggling with just how to sort of process it all. She doesn't know how she wants to... Uh, did you get that cough out there, fella? You all right? <laughs> as soon as his mic turns on, he ruins the show. Coughing, I know. <laughs> uh, we got to get all the jitters out, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shake it. the sillies out. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, this Alex young lady has uh, learned that she's got this terminal situation, and they've she's at school, and she finds maybe a bit of inspiration about what she wants to do going forward. Okay. Does that sound about right, Joe? Yes. All right. Okay. Here we go. So, right. Joe, whenever you're ready, take it away. All right, so we start uh, interior classroom morning. Um, Alex is sitting in her desk at school while students all around her are talking and laughing. Principal Lee walks up to the front of the room and begins talking to the students. Good morning, Gold Tigers. In light of some fairly recent and sad news regarding a student whose name will not be said, oh, um, we decided to bring in Father Patrick from the Holy Rose Church. Everyone, let's give him a warm tiger welcome. Father Patrick walks over to the front as very few claps are given. Good morning, Eastboro students. Today, I thought I would talk to you about the rapture. Now, the rapture, according to evangelicalism, is the event in which all Christians, living and resurrected dead, will rise into the heavens to join Christ for eternity. Alex hears voices around her. She looks at a group of girls who are staring at her, but they immediately look away. Alex sighs and sinks deeper into her seat. What does this mean, exactly? Is what we do on Earth pointless? No. No, I, I don't believe so. I believe that how you treat the time you have here, a precious and limited thing, can and will make all the difference in what happens after. And remember, you are not alone. There are others like you who fear what happens next, and it's those people who will help you find your way back to Christ. Thank you. Alex is mesmerized by these words. Father Patrick concludes the speech and begins to walk out as Principal Lee transitions to class back to the teacher. Alex keeps looking at Father Patrick as he leaves. Exterior football field afternoon. As Father Patrick begins heading to his car, Alex calls his name and eventually catches up. Well, hi there. What can I do for you, Miss... Alex. Alex Morrison. 
Right. What can I do for you, Alex? Um, well, Father, I heard what you were saying about finding people who are like you. The doctors didn't give me a whole lot of time. Your principal told me. I'm sorry, Alex. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, hmm, do you think it could be possible for me to, I don't know, find other people like me so we can talk about, I guess, everything? Like a club? Father Patrick is a bit surprised. You want to make a club for... There's a humorous beat while Alex thinks over what she said. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Father Patrick begins to sympathize with Alex. I suppose you could. I, I don't know. Ask someone in the administrator's office. I bet they might let you borrow the gymnasium a couple times a month. Alex lets out a slight smile. Thank you, Father. Father Patrick nods and then excuses himself as he walks to his car. Alex takes a moment and leans against the fence, proud of what she did. End scene. End scene. There we go. You know, Joe, while you, this script, you know, that scene selection we just read with, with, with Father Patrick coming in and talking to the teenagers, there's really nothing else in this script that starts to allude to anything in terms of religion or, or finding faith in the Almighty. It's really more about sort of people helping each other out. I, what was the... I guess, thought process for you for having her find that inspiration specifically with Father Patrick talking about the rapture? Well, I, I am currently, and it's still, you know, the, the way I was raised, I, I am raised Catholic, and I vaguely but also kind of specifically remember in, um, it's called CCD, it's kind of like a class for younger children who are part of the church to go and kind of learn um, and eventually um, get confirmed. Okay. But I remember, you know, there being these moments when We'd be sitting in class and and a priest would come and they would give a lesson regarding to something that was going on in the world or something that was going on in the lesson. And that kind of stuck with me as good or bad, um, people will, you know, kind of tell you that, or I guess in this case, um, a priest will tell you that there's always something um, to look for, you know, within Christ. And I think um, having this kind of be a high school story um is that that's something that would happen in sort of a small town with um with what we see with father patrick so i i thought that that was a a good way to keep it grounded and keep it kind of in the realm of what i have experienced but also um you know help alex get that realization to to form the club in the first place okay yeah F finding inspiration in inspiration mm -hmm. right um i have a couple of questions too because there there are two big parts of the screenplay that I don't hit with exactly, and I want to make sure I didn't miss something or hear your take on this. The first mm -hmm. thing that I want to talk about is the role of her parents, because they are completely absent in this whole script. Right. And the thing that first stuck out to me is in the very beginning when she gets this medical diagnosis that she's basically going to die, her parents aren't there at all. And I really don't feel like as a minor, she would be given that information without her parents there, unless she was declared... Um, I can't remember what the phrase is. Like when liberated or whatever? It's it's something like that, although that's not the exact term. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to check in to see what your thoughts were on her parents and why they're not present in the screenplay at all. Yeah, I, I think when you're a teenager, or at least how I and a lot of people around me have, have kind of seen in real life and in movies, is that when you're a teenager, your, your parents are kind of background noise, not in a bad way, but almost you're kind of going through all these things yourself and it's almost as if they're kind of just there. And I didn't want to have, you know, any sort of 
you see in a lot of teenage movies where the parents are, you know, the, the, the enemy and, you know, they're always strict and stuff. I didn't want that because I think that it would it doesn't add to this story and it doesn't really help in a way that is supportive. But I wanted it to kind of also give Alex a sense of, oh, she's she's now gone from a teenager to having real world adult problems. Emancipated um, which, is the word. Right. I think I think a lot of a lot of things. Um, there are a lot of scenarios that cause teenagers to kind of have to think like an adult um, in a way, um, whether it be at home or at school or just in any situation. Um, and especially in, in movies, you see that where, you know, a kid who's way too young to be thinking the way he is, is now having to worry about protecting his family More or securing, situations. you know, things yeah. like that. So I kind of wanted it to give, Alex, a more sense of um, responsibility and, and, you know, authority. Mm-hmm. Well, and then ultimately in the script, what ends up happening is that this band of misfits come together. They all start getting inspiration for each other. And then there's a couple of plot twists, one of them being that the school will no longer support their meetings. And the other being that a potential love interest has been lying all along, which mm-hmm. are excellent twists. But the the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something because it seems to me that if the this group of people like suddenly have their meeting spot pulled out from underneath them, I really didn't understand why they didn't just like meet at a Starbucks or one of their homes or something and keep the group alive. And so I just wanted to see what your take was on why they're not able to get public space. They just can't meet anymore. Yeah, I, I think what I what I was intending for something like that to happen is that Obviously, we had um, a loss of a character, you know, not to not to um, give too much away before that. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's kind of that that thing where it's almost a feeling of like after a, a fight, everyone's kind of like tired and exhausted and they can't really not that they keep coming on. But it's like this is kind of it. Like they might know. need a break anyway. Right. It's it's, you know, nothing not only with the loss of this character and with this shutting down, it was almost like the, um, nothing's going to be the same. Even if we do meet, it's not going to be the same. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, and the idea that the club is terminal also, that, that yeah. that's an interesting little right. parallel. It's a nice metaphor. It's almost as if everything here is on a, is on a, some sort of a timer. Like the club obviously is no longer going and they have a couple meetings left. So it's almost as if it's on a time timer or, you know, a, a schedule. And unfortunately these people Man. don't have a whole lot of time left. So it's, it's kind of everything is coming to its end in a, in a way. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it also kind of that this club closing and it was almost kind of a feeling of Alex. Um, and like you said before, you know, her love interest had been lying. It, the ground is kind of falling beneath her. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, this is kind of, that was kind of the, the, the tried and true moment where she would either, you know, fall under the circumstances or, or keep going. Um, and, and as we saw, she, you know, she kept going and, and, you know, had uh, had a little bit of, of content at the end. So um, you mentioned that some of your family members had passed away. And because you are so insightful about some of the metaphors that you're putting in here, I'm just curious how much experience you've you had with these people who passed away and whether or not they did pass from a terminal disease um, kind of as you discuss in the story or, or was it something so that this is more of a tangential Rep- representation of your experience of that or is it is it very personal for you um well both both were um of terminal and both were very very close to me and my family so it, it was almost a sense of um 
in the beginning, she kind of has that shock factor, like where everything is almost numb feeling. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people go through, um, no matter what, you know, losing someone or, or having some traumatic thing happen. Um, so I, I think pulling from that really helped set the tone, um, of, of the lows. Um, but the sense of community and the sense of finding, um, yourself in a group and with other people and finding inspiration, um, that I was lucky enough to experience moving into to college, like I'd said, and that so many people are able to, to experience in, in their daily lives, whether it be therapy or support groups like this, um, really, really inspire the highs, um, that Alex and the rest of the group see. So let's talk about this Justin character. Yeah. Because he's a real jerk. He's a real jerk. piece of work. He's a real jerk. So when she's first forming this group and there's certain people that are, you know, oh, I, I'll come and talk and let's come and meet up and try to find some kind of connection. At one point, this uh, kid who's roughly her age and I think goes to the same school as right. her shows up and wants to be in the group too and come to find. And, and sparks fly. Sparks fly. They have a very personal connection. They There's a blossoming love interest between the two of them. And then she sort of accidentally stumbles upon the fact that he has made up his illness altogether because he's always had a thing for her and he knew that she wouldn't be into him unless he did this. And it's wild. And I'm just so curious to know where that came from because that's bonkers. Yeah, well, um, it was, I think, creating the character of Justin was almost like a this is kind of too good to be true scenario. Like a, a, a guy her age, similar situation, mm-hmm. um, happens to kind of hit all the check marks that, that she was into. Um, it was almost kind of that moment where you had to, you know, where you see that and you go, you know, this might not be everything that it seems. And as we, you know, as you had said, um, he was making a good portion of it up which is bizarre to a lot of people, but you know, the depths that people will go for, for, I guess, connection or love or anything like that are, are, you know, definitely in an odd realm. So creating this character, I I went through a lot of variations of how um, this would play out, you know, whether it would be him using this for publicity for his music or or anything like that, but it it felt kind of too, um, too, I feel like it didn't really involve um, their relationship enough and more along him. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of involve both of them in a way that would seriously, seriously devastate um, Alex and and really like hit the punch of of the lows that are going on kind of as she is stumbling off of the loss of one of her friends um, in the group. And now hearing this, it's kind of like a metaphorical nail in the coffin or the final nail in the coffin. Right. And and it's interesting, too, because one of the things that I thought was a unique twist on Alex as far as a character goes is that once she does a lose that friend that's also in the group and then goes through all this wild nonsense with this Justin character, you you come to find out that she sort of has been using this club that she founded to kind of forget an escaper situation instead of using it as maybe a way to find acceptance in it. And I thought that was that was sort of an interesting take as far as what her motivation has been the whole time. Right. I mean, when, you know, something like very, something serious, whether it be any, you know, disease or traumatic event or anything like that, um, you know, most people go to groups to forget, you know, whether to move on or just kind of cope with it. But I think in creating this group, Alex wasn't exactly sure what she wanted to get out of it. She just didn't really want to be alone. And, And through these friends, it almost helped her 
realize that she doesn't see them as a group of people who are sick, but she just sees them as her friends. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, through everything that's going on, it kind of, um, kind of helps her feel normal, you know, albeit for a little bit each week, each month, you know, she feels a little normal with her friends and with her relationships. So, um, that was kind of what I wanted her motivation at the end to be, because it was, it was almost a motivation that she didn't realize was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, this screenplay, the short, reads as if it could it could potentially become a much larger feature film. Did yeah. you write this intending it to be a feature and then just kind of got it out as a short? Do you intend to expand it? What are your plans for this in the future? Um, well, I think this – I want this to be um, – I, I did have, you know, intentions for it to be a little bit longer and for things to be a little bit fleshed out. Um but I wanted to create a script that would have <clears throat> enough length to keep people interested, but enough story to keep people um, t- thinking about it afterwards. So there is definitely room to expand more. But I think uh, the move that I'm planning to do now is um, kind of create it as is. And if it kind of gets some traction or, or, or gets the attention um, of, you know, of people wanting to see more, um, you know, there, there is a possibility of it becoming a full feature. You know, I'm sure that there, there's things like, um, I'm pretty sure whiplash started as a short film. Um, and with Mm. kind of interest and intrigue, they were able to take what they wanted to and flesh it out to, um, you know, a a full story. So I'm happy with it is right now, but I know that there is definitely room to, um, to grow with it. What other kind of things do you write? Do you write stuff like this primarily, or are you still just kind of playing around in lots of different worlds? Yeah, I'm definitely playing around. I, I I usually, funny enough, I usually write a lot of comedy, like um, skits and sketches. That's how I kind of started. I did, you know, I really am a fan of like the Saturday Night Live style of comedy where you kind of have a situation that seems normal, but there's a twist to it or there's something that makes it um, bizarre or, you know, outlandish. So that's where I kind of started writing. And I think as I as I grew up a little bit, I started seeing that those same twists can be used in dramatic pieces. So that's mm. where I kind of came up with this one. Um, and I had a different script that I had just shot um, several weeks back um, that had a similar kind of twist or two twists or three twists at the end that that would kind of bring the whole story together. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like writing both genres and, I'm, and I definitely want to try and write as much um, variety as possible. Well, you know what they say, they, tragedy plus time equals comedy. That's, a, that's an old formula right there. Right. Yeah. You know, with enough time and with enough, um, you know, recollection and thought, everything can eventually become funny to some people. So in terms of your time in school and and having written this thing, as far as maybe looking to, would you want to produce this as part of a project for one of your classes or doing it on your own as a personal thing? Any thoughts about trying to actually have this produced? Yeah, I I don't know if um, if producing it as a school project um, is the best because there are a lot of things that I wouldn't, there's a lot of things that I, I, I don't want to compromise and I don't want to kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word kind of make in order to meet the requirements of a class or something like that. I want, I would want to make it in its full flesh, you know, uh, warts and all kind of make it the way that I had imagined it with the, the, the devastation and the, and the, especially I, I think that, not a lot of people talk about is cursing in films and television that you don't realize when things do or don't curse, but it's kind of odd to see something that replaces normal curse words with like, Oh, 
damn or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Um, Do you mean if somebody so said would, something like dang, dang, dang nabbit or something instead yeah, of just saying damn? Like there was, there was, um, I forget what show I was watching, but someone said frickin' as like, a th- and I was so, I was like, that's not how people talk. Oh, like realistically, that's not how people talk. Right. Um, so I would probably want to, want to make it, um, by, not by myself, but like not as part of a school, kind of as an independent thing. Okay. Well, if uh, if somebody is uh, listening to this interview and maybe they would want to get in touch with you about this work or b- learn more about you as an artist or a writer or even on the uh, business side of things with marketing and being a producer, what's uh, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Um, I would say, I mean, as a as a younger individual, I definitely am on social media. So I would say um, Instagram is a good way to to reach me. I would say it, it's Joe underscore Malisi or Twitter at Joe Malisi. Just, you know direct messaging or commenting or I, I post a lot more film related things on Instagram just to kind of say, Hey, this is out. Um, I also have an Instagram page for my unofficial production company, Melisi media. It's where I post the bulk of projects in progress or, or marketing, you know, graphic design and stuff like that. Um, so I would say any of those social medias is a good way to see what I'm up to and, you know, how to contact me. Awesome. And that's uh, Joe M-I-L-I-C-I. Like, it's like Mississippi, just with fewer letters. That's a terrible <laughs> yeah, comparison. Half the last name that's is hilarious. I. That's the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, no, it's it's really not, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I've said way worse things than that. Just, yeah, so yeah, M-I-L-I-C-I. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for sending us your work, and thanks for your time coming on the show. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was really, really uh, cool. I've You know, having never done like an official thing i you know this is this is all i could have hoped for that's very sweet it's only the beginning yeah right yeah yeah (laughs) thank you seriously awesome there's joe that's cool that's it's i i want to i know one of the things that we try to do a lot in the show is try to get people that are first like trying to get out there and try to get their work into the world and talking to people that are in school currently is something i always really enjoy i I like it too because like a lot of um young people are so non-jaded yeah already you know like still and it's just nice to be talking to people who are like energetic, mm-hmm. enthusiastic, passionate about what they believe in. And then Joe really sounds like he's making a smart choice by doing this minor in film, major in marketing. Well, yeah, because he's still keeping his foot in the artistic side of things. Yes. And then knowing the business element of it would make him, you know, adaptable for so many other things, too. It just sounds like it's setting him up to do good things, great things if he wants to. And I think that that sounds awesome. If you want to do great things, you should probably send us your script and we can look it over and talk with you about it and then put the show out there into the world. Release a terrible show where we make bad jokes. Well, that's every show. (laughs) Except for Frank. (laughs) Frank's the only one who's batting a thousand on this show because he takes 25 minutes. I was going to say we only have 47 to 50 minute interviews, so we're only going to get two great Frank jokes maybe per episode. Frank's Frank's the Batman of comedy on this show because he just, with all the time (laughs) to prepare, he's going to win every time because he has that much time to think about it, whereas the rest of us are just out here swinging around trying to hit something with our webs. I did love that Malisi, Mississippi. That was terrible. No, that was funny. That was funny. You can send us a script by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show. On Twitter, I am at Your Bestie Westy. And on Twitter, I'm at Script Shop Jack. Jack's hilarious on Twitter, so I'm you guys not. should talk to him. Although I did post a thing that I want people to respond to more. <laughs> the, One isn't. I, Yo, we should do a segment on the show where you read your tweets. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> read we're not your doing own that. tweets. But I did do a thing where I said, tell me something that you think that you're sure of that exists, even though you have no proof of it. And I had this thought when I was in the, the drive-thru of the KFC Taco Bell that's not far from me. 
Yeah. Because I am 100% sure that people who work there have their own, like, secret hybrid menu of food combined from both restaurants. Oh, and it's different at every man. location. Because they're just sitting around with all these ingredients and products and they could just make you a pizza with hot burritos on top. Well, and for a KFC Taco Bell, there's no way they're not taking like the Colonel's chicken tenders into a supreme chalupa or nacho cheese on the mashed potatoes. There are options that are definitely happening. Jack, I think you should go work there. Okay, sure. I think you should. Can I make this food up? Well, that's the thing is that if you work at that location, you could make this all a reality. Well, we'll have to have some discussions with the Colonel and the Taco Bell folks. (laughs) Guys, thanks for listening very much. We really appreciate it. And until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.